We don't like confrontation. I don't know. If I, if I did a survey, I won't put you on the spot. But basically speaking, most of us are not really great at confrontation. Where you have a disagreement with, some, with somebody and you actually confront them about that disagreement. We're not real... Um, Real comfortable with that? I mean, studies show that. It's just generally something that we, 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 we don't. Uh, and also, uh, we do have a, sort of a, a built-in response that we do have. If, if the disagreement gets real intense or we feel like we have to react uh, one way or another, and, and you've heard of it before, it's flight or fight, right? <laughs> you kind of just abort mission and get out. Or you fight, and, and it's just like you fight against it, and it's an emotional reaction. So, so this whole idea of confrontation um, is something that um, you know, we need to know how to handle within the church, because um, we are the church, and, and, and Scripture teaches us that our relationships should be intimate and exemplary. Now, what do I mean by intimate and exemplary? I mean that the scripture teaches us that we are to love. Love is not sort of a, um, um, a surfacey kind of emotion. It is a deep emotion, right? And so we are to, to love each other. We are to care for each other. We are to be involved with each other. That's what the Bible teaches us about our relationships. Um, we are to be accountable to each other. I am in a relationship with you in which I need you, and you need me. All right. So this is this is what the scriptures teach as the relationship that should exist, and it should be an example to the world that these instinctual reactions to things like confrontation, this instinct to fight or flight, um, can be better within the church, that we as the church can, because we all possess the Holy Spirit, can actually deal constructively with disagreements. And so we've reached this place in, 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 in the history of the church as we study the book of Acts, that there's a bunch of disagreements presenting themselves, okay? And once again, you know, like kind of, oh, I, wish, I wish we didn't have disagreements. Why can't we all just get along? Okay, and so last week we took a, a look at one of those, and that was um, this idea uh, that we read about in Acts 15. I'm just going to read just one little excerpt from the Council of Jerusalem um, that resulted from this disagreement. Uh, and certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no... Had, Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So we have uh, in this burgeoning church, we have a church in Jerusalem that is, is largely made up of Jewish people. And then the church, as you know, is through persecution spread out around the Mediterranean and, and, and non-Jews heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and were fired up about it and accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But the elephant in the room was, are these 
new converts, or are we, as Jews who have accepted that Christ is the promised Messiah, are we Jews first, or are we Christians first, right? So that was sort of the elephant in the room. And so this discussion that came out of the Council of Jerusalem, that occurred at the Council of Jerusalem, was necessary. Right? It, 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 if, if no one had sort of said, well, okay, we're not going to deal with that issue because it's, you know, we don't like confrontation. It's kind of awkward, you know, to talk about stuff like this. I mean, people's feelings might get hurt. All right? If, if that was the approach of the early church, um, <laughs> we might be meeting in a synagogue today. <laughs> right? And not a church. Uh, we might be Jews first. And I'm being silly. But that's what I'm saying. It was a defining moment when the church realized that, in fact, you didn't have to, new believers did not have to be circumcised or follow the law of Moses uh, with all of its rites and rituals and ceremonies. And so confrontation was good. And so in this situation, you've got people meeting together, consulting Scripture, consulting the Holy Spirit, uh, going, you know, having the leadership there, and they're having it out. And that's good. <laughs> and it was a good thing that this occurred. Today's scripture is far more intimate, and that is that it has to do with the disagreement between um, our two friends that we've been following around the Mediterranean, um, Paul and Barnabas. And, and they were a team. Right? They were a team as they traveled around. As a matter of fact, Barnabas was the one who actually kind of was an advocate for Paul, who was Saul at the time, um, in taking him as the former persecutor of the church back to the leadership of the Jewish church in Jerusalem and said, he's okay. He's good. He's had a conversion experience. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. Trust him. So Barnabas um, and Paul were a team, okay? So this is the disagreement that they had. We read it in Acts 15. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now, and this is after the Council of Jerusalem, so they had some fresh material to sort of get out there. Um, and so they said, then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brother in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing. So it was sort of a, not a new missionary journey, as much as it was a going back to encourage the church that they had uh, uh, been a part of started around uh, in different places in the Mediterranean. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark, who happened to be his cousin, we find out in another passage of Scripture. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, uh, strengthening the churches. So if you remember on that first missionary journey that we've taken a look at, um, in which there were great and miraculous triumphs and there was a lot of persecution, uh, Paul almost was killed <laughs> during that, that, that missionary journey. So there was a lot of pushback and very strong pushback. When Paul and Barnabas were making their way 
according to how the Spirit was leading them. Um, you, if you recall, there was John Mark, and um, it, we find out in uh, Acts 13, if you just kind of go back there, uh, that John Mark aborted mission, and he left the mission. It says in uh, Acts 13, 13, Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returning to Jerusalem. So John Mark was part of the team, but he left. And uh, it generally, the general consensus is that this was not a good thing. Like um, something happened that John Mark, we don't know precisely what it was, but he didn't feel comfortable continuing. And it might have been a crisis in confidence. It might have been, you know, he got really nervous about uh, pushback and wasn't willing to commit. But there was this issue uh, within John Mark that he said, I can't stay. I've got to get out of here. And so he left them. And so Paul um, was, was, when they were considering this, this new trip, uh, Barnabas is saying, well, let's take John Mark along with us. And Paul says, no, I'm not taking John Mark with me. He did this on the last trip, and I'm not going to take him. So some commentators portray, portray this really as a breakup, as a failure, mostly on Paul's part. Uh, of not being gracious or being willing to extend another opportunity to John Mark. Um, but you know, you can also look at this, and this is who I agree with, because a lot of commentators think this too, that actually um, this just shows strength in diversity, the strength of diversity within the body of Christ. You see, Paul and Barnabas were very different guys, but they were this awesome team that worked really well together. If we go to Acts 20, 23, we get a sense of what Paul was like. Paul is like a driven evangelist who wants to ensure that the success of the mission. He's task-oriented. He has a burden for the lost. He really, really wants nothing to interfere with the purpose of the mission. He's very task-oriented. And so we read in Acts 20, 23, um, where, where he says this, these are Paul's words. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of, the, of God's grace. So that's Paul. He's really task-oriented. He's really driven. He wants to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. On the other hand, there's Barnabas. Barnabas' name actually means son of encouragement. He's kind of more a people person, right? He's more focused on caring for people. As he advocated for Paul or Saul initially with the church in Jerusalem, sort of saying, he's okay, he's with me. I know he was persecuting the church, but this is a legitimate conversion. He's a good guy. He's advocating for John Mark, his cousin. And he's saying, you know, let's... let's Let's take John Mark. Let's give him another opportunity, okay? He wants to go. Let's, let's take him along. And so we read uh, in Acts 4 about Barnabas. The first time he shows up in the early church, his name is Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He actually sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostle's feet. That's the Barnabas that we're talking about. So he's about encouragement. He's about building the bonds and, 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 and strengthening bonds. 
and uh, investing in people. Uh, okay, so you, so you kind of see that there's a difference in their makeup. And so we're talking about diversity within the church, diversity amongst us and our different strengths. Is everybody here supposed to be a Paul? Task-driven, you know, we're going to get, you know, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that, we're going to accomplish this, we're going to accomplish that. Or is everybody supposed to be like Barnabas? You know, tasks don't matter as much as people matter. And we want to just invest in people, and we want to bring people along, and let's, you know, encourage people. Or is everybody supposed to be sort of half Paul, half Barnabas? Well, I believe that that Paul, there was nothing wrong with Paul. <laughs> I think Paul got, God gave Paul a mission, and he took it seriously, and he went about it and did it extremely well. And he saw John Mark as potential hazard or somebody who would be a drag on what God had asked them to do. Barnabas, on the other hand, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with Barnabas either. I don't think he's a weakling. I don't think he's like wrong because he's investing in people. I, I admire that he's bringing John Mark along, right? That's a, that's a good thing. The thing is that, that, that there's diversity within the church. There's this term out there, zero sum, you know? Um, th- this, this idea of being, being the church and having um, disagreements within the church is not a zero sum game. A zero sum game is someone wins and someone loses. And there's no sort of good between them. Like it's just you either win and it's all win or it's all lose or both. I mean, somebody wins and somebody loses. That's just the way it is. That does not have to be the case when it comes to issues where we disagree. Right? And then this is, this is, not, this is not an issue about doctrine or anything like this. This is a, a, an opinion of two godly men. Right? Two godly men, and one says, let's have John Mark go, and the other says, no. And they actually go separate ways. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, we find out that, that, that there's no hard feelings. Okay? We find out uh, later on in 1 Corinthians 9. We read these words. This is my defense. This is Paul speaking. To those who sit in judgment on me. People were sort of saying, well, you know, Paul, Paul wants a handout. He wants to be on the, on the, um, on the pay. Uh, he wants to be paid for, for his work. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Uh, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas? And this is after they've had this uh, going separate ways. Um, or is it only I and Barnabas who, who lack the right um, to, to not work for a living? And so clearly, you know, there's no hard feelings here. He's speaking fondly of Barnabas and comparing him to himself, and there's no, there's no issue. But we, we even get a greater sense of the fact that there is no issue about the fact that they went separate ways when we see these words in 2 Timothy 4. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, Do your best to come to me quickly. Only um, Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with me, or with you, because he's helpful to me in my ministry. So we see that because Barnabas invested in John Mark, and they went their separate way. Um, John Mark 
in Paul's estimation, has become an advantage and a helpful person. See, that's strength and diversity. Barnabas takes John Mark under his wing, right, and develops him so that ultimately he's a help to the task-oriented Paul, who's, who's all about getting, getting things done. We need task-oriented people in the church, and we need people that are encouragers who bring people along. Uh, we need these people, all right? We are a diverse group. We are all different parts of the body of Christ. Some are heads, some are, some are feet, some are ears. We're all different, and we all have different gifts. And therefore, what we have to do is we have to look at disagreements, not necessarily as a zero-sum game in which I'm right and you're wrong, and there's a wrong and there's a right, and that, that's not always the case, right? So in the first instance with the, with the, the Jerusalem Council, you've got an issue that really clearly had to be addressed. I mean, and so there was a disagreement, and they met together, they talked it out, and they, they made a decision, right? And that's, that's great. That's productive. That's, that's a very functional way to go forward. I think that was a good, a good thing. Obviously, it was a good thing. And then secondly, you have this disagreement uh, between Paul and, and Barnabas that seems like a failure. It's kind of like, you know, oh, man, they split up. They couldn't keep the unity of the faith. They were blah, blah, blah. But actually, in fact, um, they both went and did their own thing, which actually, you could argue, increased the mission because Paul and Mar Barnabas, or sorry, Barnabas and John Mark did not go back to the places that um, Paul went to because he was going back to the places they'd been to, and they went off to new places. So actually, the mission increased by another team going out, and, and good things resulted. John Mark is restored and strengthened, right? And Paul continued to do his amazing work as the go-getter that he is. There are, however, zero-sum instances. Before I say that, though, I do, I do have two quotes I want to remind you of, uh, or that I need to remember to give to you, <laughs> more like it. Uh, Matthew Henry says this, even those that are united to one and the same Jesus, sanctified by one and the same Spirit, have different apprehensions, different opinions, different views, and different sentiments in points of prudence. Now, points of prudence, by that he means issues where there could be disagreements, contentious issues, maybe, um, issues where there's going to be different interpretation. It will be so while we are in this state of darkness and imperfection. We shall never be of all, uh, be all of a mind till we come to heaven where light and love are perfect. Okay, so Matthew Henry is saying that's just the fact of life. We're going to have disagreements. And then John Piper says the point here is simply this. Most of our life in ministry is made up of those kinds of decisions, the application of biblical principles to situations not explicitly dealt with in the Bible. And therefore... Complete agreement in these areas will not happen in the body of Christ until we no longer see through a glass darkly. And I suggest that we not too quickly assume that our different strategies for Christ are a bad thing, as we see with um, Paul and Barnabas. So there are zero-sum issues, though. And these are the issues that um, there, there is someone right and there is someone wrong. 
those aren't going to arise too much in a church, to be honest, because most of the fact that we, we come together, we come together with a lot of agreed-upon stuff. Um, most of our theology, most of our doctrine is, is pretty much um, uniform. But there are going to be zero-sum issues. And, and this is a surprising example from Galatians 2. And it's still dealing with Paul and Barnabas, remarkably. Um, it says in Galatians 2, When Cephas came to Antioch, Cephas is Peter. That's the name. Peter, you know, the guy that Jesus said, Upon you I'm going to build my church. That Peter, an apostle, good friend of Jesus. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Whoa, those are strong words. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. <coughs> the other Jews joined, him, uh, joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So do we understand what's going on there? Uh, Antioch is a Gentile church. Peter is visiting. And he has no problem sitting down and eating with the Gentile believers. Except when some of the Jewish Christians came from Jerusalem, and then he started to retreat from the Gentiles. And he started to act more like a Jew. You see what a terrible hypocrisy that is? Do you see what a terrible message that gives those Gentiles? Uh, you're acceptable until people who come along who say that you're not quite acceptable uh, come along and then I'm going to separate myself. I'm going to keep a distance. It was, it's brutal. And your hero, Peter, did it, right? And our good son of encouragement, Barnabas, did it, Right? And Paul, Mr. Task-Oriented Paul, right? <coughs> Who some of you are like saying to yourself, yeah, that guy needs to lighten up, right? Because some of you are all about people. That's kind of how you are. And you're pointing to Paul. But guess what? If Paul doesn't do what he does here in this instance, the gospel is eroded. The gospel, the truth of the gospel, that we come to God solely on the attributes of Christ and not on what we do would be eroded. And so, Paul, with his task in his task way, was not afraid of confrontation, walks up to Peter and he says, you're being a hypocrite. What message are you giving to these Gentile believers? We've already decided back in Jerusalem they don't have to be circumcised. So what's this? What gives? What are you doing here? You're giving them the impression that there are some things that you have to do that are uh, from the law of Moses. And one of those things is don't associate with Gentiles. You see how awful this message is that Peter and Barnabas are giving to the Gentiles. And good old Pastorian <laughs> and Paul just addresses it head on. And so there are instances that are zero-sum. There is a right and there is a wrong. And we have to adjust, we have to confront those things. So you see what I'm saying within the church? There are times when we need to engage disagreements. Those disagreements might be matters of just sort of like getting clarity. I think this. No, I think that. Okay? 
One of those things might be, I don't know if this church has ever done this, is women in ministry. Okay? I'm going there right now. But at the same time, I'm just throwing it out there, right? I don't know if this church has tackled that issue or not. But you know, there are, are uh, churches, even probably within the Christian church movement, um, that uh, have decided one way and others that have decided another way. And we're not out of fellowship with those people or wherever we are on this issue. Uh, you know, like there's just, it's, so there are going to be times when we have to engage in things that need clarification. Jim, Jim. Yeah. I don't know what you mean by ministry. Do you mean a minister? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking like like pastors. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because women in ministry, we have lots of women in ministry in Christian well, yeah, church. All kind of ministry. Point. Point. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we we have those instances, but we also have instances where we actually are different, and we're going to have disagreements, and we're going to just agree to disagree. And actually, good things can result from that. And then finally, there are things that we just have to have a zero tolerance for. And that is anything that negates or corrupts the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot tolerate that. And that's why Paul was so strong. I mean, man, I'm just thinking, you know, Peter's like Peter. <laughs> he walked on water. You know what? He was restored by Jesus. He was like like he's like the big guy. How many churches are St. Peter, right? But he's doing the wrong thing. And Paul says, no, you cannot do that, right? And so there are disagreements where we have to have zero tolerance. So as a rule, I just want to sort of throw out these very brief comments. When we disagree, don't avoid disagreements. We have to engage disagreements sometimes, right? And sometimes, well, yeah, we just have to engage them and see, see where we go with that. Not all issues have to be right and wrong, because some aren't. Some issues do have a right and a wrong, though, and those are the zero-sum ones, the, the issues where the gospel is being eroded or scripture is being um, uh, rebelling. Disagreements don't have to divide us. Good can come out of diversity. The fact of the matter is that when we do decide to confront, we tend to double down and we tend to demonize the opposition and we, tr we tend to make all kinds of absurd assumptions about them. And, and somehow that's a way of building up our side of the argument. Kind of like we, we get strength out of making them out to be really bad people. But in fact, it could be a misunderstanding. It could be um, just a point that needed to be clarified. And guess what? Sometimes you might find out you were wrong. <laughs> and they were right. <laughs> okay? And so it's important that we engage it. And so I'll just close with this word from 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. That's confrontation. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And so we have to take that attitude into this arena where we will have disagreements. And, um, 
I believe that God can do miraculous things because we are all of the body of Christ. We all have the same spirit within us. And uh, we, we need to trust the spirit in these things. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your word. I thank you for this example of uh, how Paul um, and Barnabas, even though they had strong opinions, went their separate ways, but it wasn't something that divided the church, um, and they didn't demonize each other. I thank you that uh, they that you brought really good things out of out of that. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us the gold standard. We do know what truth is, and uh, help us to stand firm on those things. But also, Lord Jesus, help us to be people that aren't afraid to confront and to engage with each other around areas that need to be discussed. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be that kind of church. In Jesus' name, amen.